0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus declared that the world is ripe for a spiritual harvest. Regrettably, most of us are more concerned with a physical harvest than our own lives, in our finances and in our work. Are you doing your part to bring in a harvest of souls for Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 4 and look at this incredible principle of being a reaper for Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning here in Texas. Hopefully, y'all are just loving on Jesus, just uh, spending time with Jesus. We say it. We say it in every teaching. There is there is literally, literally, nothing of more benefit or value in your life, or certainly in my life. Than spending time with Jesus, okay, it has, it has, uh, it has, it has immense benefits that cannot be calculated. It has incalculable benefits, not only for this life, but obviously for the next life. So, continue to give yourself to Jesus in every way. Give yourself to Jesus spiritually physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, you want to make Jesus a part of, of literally everything you do, right? I've said this many times as uh, as Christians, our life is about having ever-growing and deeper relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, just growing to know and walk with the triune God, growing to to increasingly obey the triune God, and growing to increasingly repent, right, when we when we fall short. R- repentance is an incredible blessing. We repent when we're convicted that there's just an area of our life, whether it be in our thoughts, our words, or our actions, that's not in line with the Word of God. That's not in line with the heart of God right And so when we have areas of our life that are not as they should be, and it's not just big things. you know it can be it can be little things, right or things we perceive that are little things. Um, it's when we the, cro- the closer you you and I grow to Jesus Christ, the more the more intimate we become with him, the more aware we actually become. Of the things in our life that are out of place, little little words that we use, perhaps just things that we say that are out of line, perhaps some some things that are that are gossip, inappropriate, just some of the things, some of our actions, and it could be in any aspect of our lives. It could be, you know, the Lord's been been working on me and convicting me of just about about driving, wearing my seatbelt, you know, uh, driving the speed limit um all of these things we ought to do it's reasonable to do them and the closer we we grow to Jesus Christ the more the more that that he reveals to us that you know the more we can see things that are out of place and the greater desire we have to be like Jesus so thank you Lord Jesus well Golly, it's uh, I believe today is part five of uh, of of the woman at the well, and we've just seen you know just just the incredible uh, heart of Jesus and the power of Jesus, and we see we uh, we've seen in the behavior of Jesus what what it can lead to. We've seen how when Jesus does not get offended at this woman, where she she was you know clearly disrespectful to him. But he continues to treat her in love. He, he not only wins her to himself, but she goes out and leads the whole town to Jesus. And we're going to complete that today. And um, we just want to be more like him. We just want to be more like Jesus. When we when we read and study the scriptures and we see things like this, we just we want to be more like Christ. So we're going to finish up today. We're going to do verses 35 to 42 so I'll go ahead and pray and then we will we'll read it and we'll get rolling well father we do thank you for for our Bible we thank you for the living Word of God Heavenly Father we thank you for the scriptures we thank you that you've given us these scriptures father to nourish us and to feed our soul and spirit father but above all we thank you for Jesus Our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Father, we just thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name amen and amen thank you lord jesus john 4 35 to 42 do not say four months more and then the harvest i tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wow. There is. (laughs) He is the savior of the world. He's not just the savior of the Jews. He is the savior of the Jews. And every Jewish person needs Jesus and every non-Jewish person or Gentile, because that's what the Bible calls us if we're not Jewish, we all need Jesus as well. Jesus is the savior of the world. Not just the savior for Christians. You need to become a Christian and he will be your savior. The entire world, the world, needs Jesus Christ as their savior. There is no religion. Every human being needs Jesus Christ. So whatever religion that you're walking in today, Okay, If you're in a denominational religion and you believe in Jesus intellectually, but you're not truly trusting and relying on him as your only Lord and Savior, if you're not desperate for Jesus Christ, knowing that without him, you cannot have your sins forgiven, you cannot have eternal life, and the only place would be eternal hell if you don't have Jesus... If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ today, now is the time. He's the savior of the whole world. Or maybe you're another religion. Maybe you're Buddhist. Maybe you're Islam. Maybe you're Hindu. Maybe you're agnostic. Maybe you're atheist. Wherever you are today, Jesus Christ is is the savior of the world. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Have you heard for yourself? Do you know Jesus yourself? Do you have a personal Reliance and trust on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Knowing you're hopeless and helpless without him. Are you desperate, right, Jose, to know Jesus? And to and to know him and to and to have him as your only savior, to have him living in inside of you, living in your heart. Is Jesus Christ dwelling in your heart today, Jesse? If you don't know Jesus, today is the day. All eight billion people in the world. You know, there's something interesting it says here. In verse 39, and I guess I'll go backwards and forwards here. In verse 39, it said, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So at this point, they have, they do believe, the woman testifies. He told me everything I ever did. The woman says, could this be the Christ? And so when the woman came, they believed that she found the Messiah. Now, they didn't have a personal relationship with him yet. They weren't trusting and relying on him yet. He stays with him two more days, however. So maybe you've heard about Jesus today. Maybe you have an, an intellectual acknowledgement of who Jesus is. But are you actively and currently and desperately trusting in him, relying on him, knowing that he's your only hope for the forgiveness of your sins, knowing there's nothing you can do to help yourself go to heaven. There's nothing you personally can do to not go to hell except trust Jesus Christ to put your genuine faith to genuinely trust Jesus Christ and rely on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. You can do it today and need to do it today. Romans ten thirteen says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 said, how can they call in the one they haven't believed in? How can they believe in the one they haven't even heard of? And how can they hear unless someone teach them or speak to them about it? So you see, if you go backwards to forwards, it has to be spoken to you. It's been spoken to you. You've heard with your ears what I've said. You believe what I'm saying about Jesus Christ. God has given his word in the Bible. We have the word of God, the very word of God, that says Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he did enter the world and come into the world as a human being, as a human man, as a baby. Then he grew up and lived a perfect life on behalf of all of us, all humanity. Then he died a perfect death on the cross for all of us, for all humanity. And he is indeed alive and risen. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, then it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So out of that belief and out of that knowledge and desperation of knowing that you have no hope except Jesus Christ, you're helpless without Jesus Christ. You call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you and I humbly ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and reliance in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you trust Jesus Christ who is the savior of the world. Remember, it's not the words that save us, it's Jesus Christ that saves us. The words are the the vehicle we use. But it's 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 the genuineness and the sincerity and the authenticity of our hearts fully desiring Jesus and trusting him to be the lord of our life and our only savior. So you see in verse 39, the Samaritans come out. They follow the woman. Jesus told her to call one man. Remember, he told her, go call her husband, right? You remember Jesus confronted this woman about her sinful lifestyle, but he did it in a loving way. And it's interesting because the woman's is hostile to Jesus. She's she's uh, She's confrontational to Jesus. You remember she said to him, who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? I mean, you're talking up a big game, buddy. You know, the, the 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 woman was confrontational to Jesus. But it but then he confronts her about her sinful lifestyle. He does it in love, but he brings up the fact because she didn't tell him, he says, Go call your husband. He knew she she wasn't, she didn't have a husband. She says, I have no husbands. And he says, you're right when you say you have no husband. You've had five husbands and you're now with a man that's not your husband. It's interesting that he does confront her about her sin. But he clearly does it in a way that she's convicted. Like my brother Jesse said today, genuine conviction will always lead farther than only genuine kindness. It is a kindness for us to look at the sin in our lives and to repent. And it's a kindness when we lovingly challenge others to repent over the sinful lifestyle that they have. Jesus confronts this woman about her sin. He's willing to do it. And then she goes to tell the whole town about Jesus, a town that heretofore didn't really care for her because she had a reputation. You remember it's in verse 29. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Obviously, you know, when we take the words just as they are, um, you know, Jesus spoke to her and convicted her about her lifestyle and that Jesus knew who she was and Jesus knew about her life. And that moved her, that moved her powerfully. It moved her to not only be convicted but to go tell everybody else. And you know, that's, it's the same for us today. Jesus knows who we are. Jesus knows the life that we've lived. Jesus knows your hurts and your pains. Jesus knows the difficulties that you're in, and Jesus also knows the the sinful ways that we're living. He knows it. And sure enough, just like this woman said, he told me everything I ever did, Jesus knows everything about you, and he still loves you. He knows everything about me, and he loves me. And it's his heart that we give our life to him today. This entire story changes this woman's life. And again, it's pertinent because you remember it said the disciples came back and it said they were surprised to find him talking to a woman, right? Verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? They didn't dare ask. He doesn't explain himself. We can see clearly by this, they would not have spoken to this woman because again, Jews despise Samaritans. Um, and they would never speak to a woman in public. And then a woman like this who had a reputation, they, they would never lower themselves to speak to her. They would never have spoken to her. And so they clearly would have, this woman would have went away in the same condition she was, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm very happy that Jesus is not like me. They wouldn't even have spoken to her. And then even if they did speak to her, they probably would have been defeated immediately when she rebukes them, right? Because it's hard for us when we're tired from the journey to, to get someone, you know, being contrary to us or disrespectful to us. Remember, Jesus says, can I have a drink of water? And the lady basically says, well, why are you talking to me? We don't talk. You know better than this. Why are you even talking to me? Most of us would have been like, all right, lady, whatever. It's fine. And we would have sent the woman away, maybe worse than she came, but don't you just want to be like Jesus, man? <laughs> Golly, Cause Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus never gets that drink. He stays a couple of more days. I'm sure he got that drink of water, but because he's who he is, he continues to give the woman what she needs, even though he doesn't get what he wants. And ultimately, she's convicted over her sin. She believes him when he reveals himself as the Messiah. And the first thing she goes to do is lead the entire town to Christ. Mm. First female evangelist in the Bible. Didn't take her long to lead people to Jesus, right? Wow. Wow. Look at this. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. It's urgent. Every single podcast or YouTube video, we talk about how important it is to spend time with Jesus. Spending time in your Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship and community with other believers, spending time in thanksgiving, spending time in worship, spending time talking about Jesus to others, evangelism, spending time growing as a disciple and helping others be a disciple. Is it urgent for these people? So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. We really need to get to a place in the body of Christ in the church today. We're spending time with Jesus is urgent. We're not letting you go. Apparently they've gotten past all the, the racism. Apparently they've gotten past this whole idea that Jews can't stand Samaritans, Samaritans can't stand Jews. And Jesus has set all that right. And I'll say it again. Jesus is the only solution. Jesus is the only solution to set racism in every evil right in our world today. Nothing else will do. Everything else is a bandaid on a broken arm. It's not going to fix it. Only in Jesus Christ. Can these racial divides be healed? Look at this. These are Jews and Samaritans. Jesus is there talking to a woman for whatever, 15 minutes, and now he's just healed the racial divide that had been going on for who knows how long. We need more Jesus in everything. We need more Jesus. We need to urge Jesus to stay with us. Jesus will spend as much time with you as you desire. You can spend as much time, May, with Jesus as you want. And so can I. It needs to be a little more urgent, though, for us. I think we've become a little cavalier in our walk with Jesus and our time with Jesus. Dare I say, we we spend a lot more time doing everything else than just being about Jesus and his kingdom. God. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. If you'll spend more time with Jesus, you might, you very well might hear his words more deeply. Dare I say, you will hear his words more deeply. And because of his words, many more became believers. It's a good thing they urged him to stay. We want to get that urgency in the church today. That urgency in the body of Christ. Because if you will, and you'll, and you'll spend time with Jesus, and you'll spend time with his word, and in his word, verse 41, John 4, and because of his words, many more became believers. We've got to spend more time with Jesus. We have to be about the work that Jesus has given us to do. We have to be about the work that Jesus has given us to do. You, you remember in verse uh, 31, his disciples, you know, they're out. He's doing the work with this woman where they're they're going to get lunch, right? Verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Verse 32, he said to them, I, I have food to eat that you know nothing about, regrettably. And the disciples said, could someone brought us some food? Always thinking about the physical, Jesus is talking about Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And he's talking about his father. Our food needs to be to to do the work of him who sent us, who's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who told us to be his disciples. Jesus who told us to make disciples, Peyton. Our food cannot just to be to satisfy all of our earthly, physical desires. When it's the spiritual food, the heavenly food, Tom, that really makes all the difference. Uh, Wow. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. Father, I ask you to help us, just to have this heart in us, to to do your will, to do the will of our Lord Jesus, to do your will, Holy Spirit. Mm. Wow because of his words, do you know the word of God? Verse 41, and because of his words and because of his words. If you'll spend time in your Bible, if you'll spend time in the Holy Scriptures, you too will know his words. We're in the Gospel of John. We're coming close on finishing four chapters. And it's because we want to know the word of God, the word of Jesus. Amazing. There's nothing better than this. This coffee's all right, a little cold now, but it's not like the living word of God. It's hot in here, man. I tell you, they got they got all these lamps over here. I mean, one, two, three. They got they got the I mean, they're like, I don't know what it is all for. It's apparently it's so that the lighting comes through on the video. It makes it hot. But that's okay. Sweating's not the end of the world. It's exciting to talk about the word of God. All right, verse 35. Look at what he says here. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What is he saying here? What is he saying when he says, do not say four months more and then the harvest, Gwenda? What's he saying? They had a saying in that time, uh, four more months and then the harvest. Basically, it was a saying that said, you know, listen, the harvest is <laughs> the harvest won't be here, right? You planted the corn, the harvest ain't gonna be here for four months, so just you know, kind of chill. All right, it's gonna be all right. Don't don't get in a hurry. No matter what you do, worrying about it's not gonna bring that harvest in. Jesus, says, stop saying it. Do not say four more months and then the harvest. Obviously, he's not talking about a physical harvest. We've said this over and over and over and over. So many times Jesus is speaking about the spiritual, the heavenly blessings, spiritual things, and we are consistently thinking about physical things, right? Do not say four months more than the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Most of us just got to open our eyes. When Jesus tells us to open our eyes, that means we're walking around with our eyes closed. Banging in a stuff, Can't see nothing, no light. Open your eyes and look at the fields. And he's talking about the fields of humanity. Look at the fields. Now there's a possibility, right? Some scholars say, you know, the woman told the town, and it says that the town made their way to Jesus. I think that was verse 30, right? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So the whole town's walking to Jesus now, right? So when Jesus says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, there's a chance he's pointing to the whole town that's walking to him and says, look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. And he's talking about a harvest of souls. And that's what he's saying to us today. He's saying, stop saying four more months and then the harvest. Kristen, stop saying four more months and then the harvest. Okay. You see, for us, oftentimes it's, it's not time for the harvest because well, after all, we're like these disciples, right? It wasn't really time for the harvest. Like Jesus had just harvested this woman, right? Jesus had just given his time for this one woman this one sinful woman, just like he does for us as sinners. And she became a believer in Jesus Christ. He harvested that soul. Now, not the disciples, because it wasn't time for the harvest for them. Because remember, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you regrettably don't know anything about. Right. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of our heavenly father. Our food you know, is to eat eat that sandwich, right? I mean, I gotta have my lunch because that's my food. Stop saying, Jesus said, four more months and then the harvest, okay? Because the disciples, it's not really time for the harvest for them. Well, now's not the time for me to harvest them souls because, well, now's the time for my lunch. So I can't really be going about Jesus and harvesting souls, okay? And you know what? Now's not the time for the harvest because, I mean, she's a woman, you know, so now's not the time. If I if I go talk to her, it might it may not look good. Someone might think that I want something that's bad. So now's not the time of the harvest. And Jesus actually now's not the time for the harvest because she's a Samaritan woman, and we don't talk to Samaritans anyway, because you know they're they're terrible people. Stop saying. What are the reasons? that you say and I say, now's not the time for the harvest. And now ain't the time for the harvest, Chloe, because you know, my Netflix show is on. And now's not the time for the harvest. I can't be talking to people about Jesus because I haven't seen my Instagram feed today. And now's not the time of the harvest because I got a, I got a chat snap, Snapchat, that, that's what it's time for. Now, cause now's not the time for, stop saying four more months. And then the harvest. Open your eyes. Lord Jesus, help us to open our eyes in the name of Jesus and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest all over the world. What can you do today to help harvest them fields? Certainly you could start talking about Jesus, but we there's gospel literature. There are Bible tracks, right? Get a good track. All that matters in the track is that it has an articulate gospel like we talk about. That's all that matters. Okay. If you want to have it to be a beautiful piece of, uh, you know, folded up paper with nice pictures, that's fine. Or it can just be a white piece of paper that articulates the gospel and explains to people what it means that they're sinful. According to the word of God, the Bible, that they need a savior. And that if they'll give their lives to Jesus Christ, then only in Jesus Christ, they'll be saved from their sin forgiven of their sin. They'll come into relationship with God. The father as their heavenly father, and they'll ultimately go to heaven when they die. However you want to get it. You can buy them online, whatever you want to do, but help get this gospel, help start working in these fields. They're ripe. They're ripe for souls. Look at verse 36 too. He's not playing. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Even now the reaper draws his wages. My, my, my. You know what that means? Are you out reaping, doing the work to reap souls? Are you doing your part to reap souls for the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ our Lord? Because apparently there's a reward and a wage for it. I have no doubt there's a reward in this life and certainly in the next, because even now the reaper draws his wages. There's a reward for this. Are you doing your part as a Christian today to help advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? When you leave a gospel track on, on a windshield wiper, you'll never know the, the lives you can change. You leave it in a bathroom somewhere. You can go to our website, kingdomd.org. There's There's... There's several tracks there, three tracks that you can print. Some of them are in different languages. It's all free. We want to do our part, and there there is a reward for it. There is a wage for it. There's nothing you can do to go to heaven. There's nothing you can do to have your sins forgiven. But once you've given your life to Christ and received the free gift of salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Tommy... Now we do have a responsibility, and we want to do our part, because even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. We do. We spend our lives, y'all. and I'm guilty of this. We spend our lives about harvesting a crop for this life, when we need to be about harvesting the crop for eternal life. Golly, Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us. We ask you to forgive us as a church help us to be more about harvesting a crop for eternal life and less about looking at the harvest in this life. Hmm. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. In uh first Corinthians three, I believe it's around verse six. Paul says that, you know, one, one man reaps, another sows, right? One sows, another reaps. Um, Paul says, I planted the seed. You know, I think Apollos watered it, but God made it grow, right? So the reaper and the sower work together, and we, and we get rewarded according to our own work, okay? I think it's verses six, 6 through 9. You'll see the scriptures on the bottom of the screen. I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, around 6 through 9. Um, and so we work together. And, and we're glad together, so we're all partnering in the body of Christ, in the church, to do our work, to bring the rest of the world to Jesus Christ, so that Jesus Christ couldn't come, and that we can get on with this. Come, Lord Jesus. Second Peter 3, Peter says, the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is he don't want anyone to go to hell. Second Peter 3, 9, he wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance and eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is interesting, very interesting here in verse 38. I don't know why Jesus got to talk like this. I don't know, you know, but imagine he's looking at his disciples and this is how he ends what he says. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Now, why does he need to say that? This is not encouraging or complimentary, Lord Jesus. Look at what he said. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Jesus clearly wants them to understand the situation they're in. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Okay? John the Baptist and Jesus have done the hard work in preparing this town and preparing the souls. Jesus has just done the, the hard work. And, and in the Old Testament, the prophets, they didn't have Jesus like you and I do living inside of us. You and I, if we're Christians, have Jesus living in us. They had Jesus with them physically. Jesus said others have done the hard work. You know, what, what was it like for Christians in like 1000 A.D.? They didn't, they didn't have all that we have in the Western church, did they? What was it like in 1500 AD? What, is it, what was it like for the, the saints and the Christians in 1600 and 1700 and 1800? C.S. Lewis said, try to imagine a world without chloroform. And it's my understanding that chloroform is that thing that you they give you to put you out so that when, when someone is having to do an operation on you, you're not awake Others have done the hard work. The body of Christ, we live in 2021. Never have we had an easier time. Never has the church been in a place where we have more resources, more opportunities, and more comforts. Now, it's also true that never have we had more distractions. Okay? So, others have done the hard work. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. When you and I go out and share Christ, we have every advantage. We haven't really worked for this. Obviously, Christ had to do the whole dying for the sin of the world thing, right? You know, so Christ did the hard work. John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ. He did the hard work. The prophets in the Old Testament, they did the hard work. The men and women of God that have come up through all the centuries and didn't have the kind of life we have in the 2021 church, they did the hard work. And we just get this benefit. Jesus is sending us to reap and we'll still get a, a wage for that. We'll still get a reward for that. It's just an incredible blessing. But he does want to let us know. Jesus want to check us a little bit. Er, just, you know, put the brakes on, boys. Don't think too much of yourself because I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't me, we're we're not a big deal. We really not, okay? (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh, others have done the hard work, okay? Now there have been people that did the hard work, it's just not me, okay? It's just not us. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. Are we thankful? We ought to be thankful but the men and women of God that went before us that didn't have all that we have because others have done the hard work and we have reaped the benefits of their labor. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We just worship you. We just thank you for this incredible story, Lord. These 42 verses of the woman at the well, Lord, um, this Samaritan woman, and Lord Jesus, there's just so much for us to learn here, Lord. I'm sure there's so much that I that I missed. But we thank you that we have the scriptures. We thank you that we have the living word of God. We thank you that this is recorded for us, Lord. Lord, we know that pretty much everyone else has done the hard work. And we get to, to join in and partner with you. We get to reap what we have not worked for. And Lord, we're reaping the benefits of those men and women of God that have gone before us, Lord. Father, we just love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. But above all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. Our Alpha and our Omega our all in all. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this story for our hearts. We do ask you, Lord, to help us to do our part to reap in the fields, to have a heart to speak about Jesus. Holy Spirit, convict us to get the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in literature out into the communities all over the world. Lord, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. Father, we commit this day into your hands, we commit this teaching into your hands and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen and amen.